0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Tubbsy and I got another topic that has to be discussed this hour at some point in time because it's sacrilege in sports and nobody's addressing it. We will tonight. Joining us right now in the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, the one and only Tom Chorsky as we continue this surge of uh, Minnesota Wild hockey towards the playoffs. Tom, I, I, full disclosure, I just had a bite of a piece of cake. Have you ever been in an office where somebody brings cake in and you swear you're not going to eat it? But then every time you walk past it, especially when there's nobody else around in the building, you, you just take a fork and you just have a, a little piece with the frosting and then you do that about five times?
1: Yeah, I think I tell myself <laughs> I'm not going to eat that. Exactly. And then, and then, But if they're there after like the third trip passed, I, I break down. I break down, I,
2: man. I, I just broke down. I just want to admit that to our audience so you know who you're working with. Tom, uh, Marcus Fellino did not make the trip with the uh, Wild because uh, he tested positive for COVID. I think most of us understand that, you know, that there's a process to that. He'll be back. Uh, I, I guess there'd have to be a little concern. Could something like that spread again, et cetera, et cetera, assuming everybody's been immunized and boosters and all those things. But it was kind of like when I heard it, it was like, you got to be kidding me. I thought we were well past that to, to get news like that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's still going to be some, some little flare-ups and, uh, yeah, hopefully everyone has uh, achieved a a high level of, 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 you know, immunization through shots, vax, boosters, and just natural immunity. Um, it seems like that's the case. It's not going to tear through the whole team, but, um, yeah, you know, I think, I think it's fair to say that, uh, we're all, we just have to live with it a little bit. And I'm, pretty confident he's not going to be, you know, harmed by it. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, these guys are having to deal with, deal with it. Just hopefully on very, very small scale.
2: Tom, uh, Kevin Fiala is obviously on a roll with 12 points in six games, but you watch him play and he's, (laughs) he's a goal scorer, man. He doesn't need much space as they say. Uh, Explain him as a hockey player and explain what kind of a number you'd put on him uh, or, you know, how much value we put toward him as, as he has towards, you know, possible free agency.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I also hear he's um, really good ball handler and, and he's a good three point shooter. No,
2: I, I've seen him play, man.
1: <laughs> he made the right decision. Well, he's also European, so that's, yeah, a different, yeah, but, yeah. well, we're going to have to, we're going to have to get into this whole basketball hockey thing, but, uh, um, you know he's skill guy. I think he's. We're still seeing him take you know incremental steps to being a star player, and which is great and and it's it's welcomed. Um, it's probably what you know Nashville saw in him when they drafted him, and then it's what uh, it's what uh, Paul Fenton, who you know got thrown under the bus a bit, and yeah. When he left here, sort of unceremoniously, but um, he did pull that. You know, he did pull that trade and it's, it's looking good right now because Kevin Fiala is uh, he is making the wild, you know, a a, a much bigger threat. They've got some work to do on special teams and, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury let in some goals last game that looked a little leaky, but, um, you know, with, with uh, Kaprizov and Fiala and and the grit and the size and, and some of the, you know, the other elements that the team has, uh, they're going good, but, I, I, he's making a case for making a, a, a tough choice, you know, to to re-sign him um, as a free agent, as you alluded to. I I, I think I think they're going to have to sign him and keep him, if especially if it continues, you know, from here on through the playoffs. You know, uh,
2: when, when you talk about the value of career, Kaprizov, obviously there's a lot of value there. But when you get into the playoffs, is it more than anything, how strong he is—that that, that it's so hard to move him, and that he he can play in front of the net.
1: Yeah, well, and it's his attitude, his willingness to play there and to to go shoulder to shoulder with guys. Um, and, you know, going into the corner and just likes—he just he's one of these guys that likes the battle and likes the the uh, those one on ones and the compete and the scoring, and he just thrives on the whole really the, what the sport of hockey is in playoffs, which is a combination of, of grit, uh, you know, and speed and skill and finesse. And he's, he possesses uh, all those attributes.
2: Tom Chorsky is our guest. Tom, obviously, as people start to take a look down the road, uh, they say there's a pretty fair chance it could be the Wild in St. Louis in the playoffs. St. Louis uh, beat them in overtime on, on Saturday after a a three goal comeback in the third period by the Wild, and then yesterday I see St. Louis put up eight on Nashville. Uh, so obviously they've got something going. How how do you like that matchup right now as you look at
1: it? Well, it's a tough one. Um, they've proven that they can beat the Wild, you know, regularly because they've done so this year, um, and they they had the Wild. You know, the Wild has been a good comeback team, um, which is which is great. They've shown that they have some pushback and they can climb themselves back into games. And they've been very good in overtimes, which shows, you know, sort of that same thing where they're able to prevail, but um, they're going to have to, they're going to have to play uh, more consistent and be ready to go when, when they, if, you know, when they face St. Louis. Now there are things you can do in a, you know, seven game series or multiple game series, you know, it's, you can look at it both ways. St. Louis has won the majority of those games and they've had our number and, you know, maybe that trend continues, but if you can kind of figure out a strategy, um, that can become advantageous too. And you can, you can expose a weakness, um, whether it's, you know, where you're going to shoot pucks on the goalie. Um, if you got, sometimes you got defensemen that don't turn very well to one certain way, or they've got, you know, they don't, they've got, couple guys that play on their off wing and you throw the puck in their corner and they have to pull it off the boards in an awkward way and there's so there's a lot of little things that the that, that the team can look at to try and expose them and figure out what their Achilles heel is and that's the beauty of, of playoffs. Um, you know, but that being said, even though St. Louis has, you know, has had their number, the wild are awfully good when they're good. And if they can mm-hmm. if they can find them, if they can, you know, if that power play gets clicking and they're killing penalties, and and uh, I love their I love their style of play. And then, if if I, I think in goal, you know, I think goaltending could be a could be a big matchup too. And um, I think uh, Cam Talbot could could, you know, he's looking good and better than Mark Andre Fleury right now. So I think that uh, Talbot will be the the starter.
2: Do you because really, I, I didn't I didn't see much of the wild game against St. Louis. I just saw him there behind. I, I assume that he didn't play very well. Is he playing well?
1: I, I I just think he's I, he's going to get the nod with Marc-Andre Fleury being very capable of of coming in but hey there's there's still a, enough games left that maybe something could change or someone,
2: someone Would not. you alternate those two goalies is there, is there any, is there any uh, you know back in the day I was having this conversation with a wild player the other day an old wild player and they said remember Rolston and Fernandez we switched them during the playoffs back and forth
1: yeah, I I I I tend to think they won't just flat out rotate him although, you know, you could get into a game where a goalie has to go two overtimes and he's exhausted. You might you might then come back with because I think that's the whole thing about having Mark Andre Fleury is that you can have a lot of confidence in him if he isn't the starter out of the gate or vice versa, I guess. You know, it's you kind of got you have to see who's really playing best the last um, you know, four or five games of the season, but you can feel comfortable going with either one of them, but I think you start with one that you think is is either matches up well against the opponent um, or who's playing the best, and then if they win, you go with them again. If they lose, you can I guess you can reevaluate, but uh, I w- I don't think it'd be a a, a, a pre a pre series decision that we're just going to alternate.
2: Yeah. Uh, so Ben Myers obviously had the, the storied career with the Gophers and he went undrafted and he signed with Colorado. And uh, I signed to Bob Motzko a couple of weeks ago and he said his legs are so big that it's scary. It looks like he's going to get hurt. D- does that make him more NHL ready right out of college? Because uh, getting back to what we're talking about with Kaprizov, if, if, if you can play in front of the net, you can play. Will, will that make him, I haven't followed his numbers, but will, 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 could he have an impact on them that soon because of that?
1: Well, I think, you know, he's a, he's, he's what you'd call a two-way player, a 200 foot player, you know, plays, plays in all areas. He's not just, uh, offensive and he's not just, uh, sort of a, a defensive, uh, forward. So he's well-rounded. Um, I think probably just his development path has him ready to, to step into it because, you know, he played a couple of years of junior and he was unheralded as a, as a young high school player. And he had to kind of fight through that. And he did that. He's proven that, uh, he can kind of overcome those uh, that adversity, and and so he's always probably felt, you know, that he's and he's put in the work, and so he arrives on the scene, uh, having been a Hobie Baker finalist down to the final three, and uh, he, I, I, he pro, I just think he's probably mentally and physically ready to take that step. I I was a little surprised that he chose Colorado, thinking that it's a harder lineup to crack. That's what I thought. To be honest, but he scored in his very first game. I didn't check closely enough to see who didn't play, but yeah, uh, you know we'll we'll see. And and what you find out is that a college kid getting into his first game and scoring a goal isn't all that uncommon. He's, no, it's not. A, and you're very you're full of you're absolutely full of uh, of adrenaline, and you know, he's coming off a great season, so he's really high on you know on on his confidence level, but you know, to, to go back and, and show up. He might he could make the team out of training camp, but as soon as he goes four or five games without scoring, all of a sudden he's out of the lineup and they say, Well, <laughs> you know, he needs more time.
2: Yeah. Then now they got a scouting report on him, they got a book on him, you know?
1: Well and, and, and you know, he just he's not gonna play on the power play. Yep. And he's he probably not gonna be on a penalty kill or the top penalty kill, right? So whenever so all of a sudden his his minutes aren't when you get into an 82 game schedule, his playing minutes are going to be limited, and they're going to say, Ugh, you know what? He's not. It's not good for him because he's not going to get better. He's going to get worse, and we we just don't have the minutes for him. But he could prove he could prove me wrong and prove everyone else wrong. Or maybe I don't know their their salary or their contractual setup. Maybe over the summer they're going to make room for him and and put him, you know, give him a spot in yeah. the top. Nine and he will play, yeah. which is you know, which which very well may be the case, but I, I don't know. You just have to, you got to play to to keep developing, and and he's a young player. But you know what? Good for him. He's he's made it. He's made it big time, and he's done a great job. And he scored in his very first game. So I, I don't I don't mean to take anything away from no,
2: him. no. And you're actually not even you're not talking about him specifically. You're talking about the way it rolls when you go out of college right yeah. in more than anything else. All right, last thing, I, I take. Jordan McLaughlin, McKinley Wright, Anthony Edwards, and I put Carl Anthony Towns in goal. Four on four hockey. Who do you, who do you come back with from the Wild?
1: Oh God!
2: Because you are going to have to play basketball I, against that same crew. We play both sports.
1: I know. I am still stuck on on the argument you were having on like so. Like in basketball, you can't even you can't even uh, you can't even tend goal, right. It's goaltending in in hockey. Yeah. You've got a big goalie blocking the net. That's right. it's harder in hockey than it is in basketball. And in basketball, you're tying on sneakers and running down on your own two feet. That's not like skating. You can't tell me basketball is harder than, than hockey.
2: It's not harder than hockey. It's harder to make it than, than in hockey because well, there's I, more people.
1: Well, and it's expensive. We talked about and, that. And
2: that's, that. And that was my whole point. Is Basketball, and I wasn't comparing it to hockey, but of course in Minnesota...
1: Well, Guys, we're talking about who are better athletes. There was some of that talk. Oh yeah, I people
2: called them. But my point was, if you if you're basket if you grow up and want to have a basketball dream, there are very few barriers. Most sports, and now in this day and age, there are barriers, and the barriers are
1: money. Maybe height. Height is the only barrier. Well,
2: and if you count height, yeah. But you can still dream, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I know you can. hey I, I got to. Look,
2: I used to think, I, I, for a long football. time, I thought that hockey players were just as good athletes as basketball players, and one day. I was with a buddy of mine and and we both played in high school and we ended up in a two- on-two game with Tom Reed and Louie Nanny playing basketball and I think we beat him like 21 to nothing and and then they said, well we'll play you guys in hockey too and I don't know what happened we never we never got to that date because I had never played hockey before but but I I lost a lot of my uh, I don't want to say respect for athleticism but when I watched Louie and Tom trying to play basketball it was it was it was very perplexing.
1: I, they're Canadians. You got to know. Not, <laughs> you you got to find some Americans. I don't know. So on my team, I'm going to take Bukestad because he's six, six yep. and maybe George Greenway. Cause he's six yep. five or six. He's a little heavy body. Might need Polino in there throwing some elbows. Um, I don't know. Jonas Brodeen, He's European. He's probably not very good at basketball. He um,
2: have the Euro step. Yeah.
1: Maybe Merrill. I don't know. Um, Who would be a – I don't know if there's any really gifted, talented shooting. I might even put – maybe Kirill. uh, He probably hasn't dribbled the ball much. Um, We need a guard, like a little – a (laughs) a guy who can move the ball around a little bit. I don't know who – Boldy has the best chance. But, yeah, I don't know. That would be – it'd be funny to watch, that's for sure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And at least we created a conversation night that got us to 7-8. 20, right? Hey, Tom, thank you so much. Good to visit with you, and I hope I see you soon at the rink. Yeah,
1: we got playoffs.
2: Not the court, but the rink. Right on. All right. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. When we come back, I said we'd broach this topic. We're going to broach this topic, Tubbsy and I, because it's sacrilege as far as I'm concerned in Major League Sports, and I don't understand why somebody's not putting an end to it when we come back on Sports to the Max. Welcome back. I was able to settle that. Now I can move on with some bigger pieces of legislation. I, with the time that we played, this is Lou Nanny and Tom Reed. I didn't know who they were because I didn't watch hockey growing up. And we were playing them at the health club. And then we won like 21 to nothing. And somebody said uh they played hockey. Pro- I said, for who? And I said, professionally? I said, no. And I was just basing it on their basketball um acumen and skill set. I didn't know. And so that's how that all came about. Um Way back in the day at the old Decathlon Club. So, and I'm like, no, they couldn't have played professionally. And they said, yeah, they played right here for the North Stars right down the road. So, uh, you know, people have texted me about that, and that's that's where that came from. And I didn't know that I'd get to know these guys, and, you know, uh, they'd become friends over the years. But at the time, I just thought they were basketball players or guys trying to play basketball. So, uh, those things happen. So, so here's the thing, Tubbsy. I don't know how much you watched over the weekend of the, of the Twins and the Red Sox. But I want legislation. I want... My senator, call call Smitty, call Cloby, whoever you want, um, to bring this to D.C. Okay. But
3: well, we're dealing with something serious if we're going we
2: to We are. Okay. We cannot have the Boston Red Sox wearing some kind of a softball uniform that, that has nothing that is reflective of the Boston Red Sox. Oh, is that like the blue and yellow? Yellow shirts with blue yeah. hats. And I'm going – I mean, it looks like they stopped by Sammy's softball special and grabbed some jerseys and whatnot. I don't know if at one point in time the Red Sox wore those. But, the, I mean, I, I, when I watch the Red Sox, I want to see the Red Sox. Well, I, I'm, I'm so tired of the, these retro uniforms and this, this, and you can wear anything any <laughs> night. And here's your uniforms. When I, when I look on the field, mm-hmm. I want that brand to be so strong that I say, there's the Boston Red Sox. And, and I want to say that with respect and with, you know, you're, you're a Red Sox. You mm-hmm. earn the right to wear that uniform in Fenway Park, and that is an honor, but it is a Red Sox uniform, and it looks the same as the one Carlton <laughs> Fisk wore, the same that Dwight Evans wore, the same that uh, uh, Big George Scott wore back yeah. in the day, Big Thunder. Uh, Fred why, Lynn, stuff like that. Fred Lynn, yeah. yeah. I, I don't want it to be, a you know, uh, oh, yeah, well, today we're going to wear this. And, and then when I watch the highlights of not just them but other teams that do mm-hmm. this, I spend the first – 20 seconds going who's playing here you know it's all about merchandising
3: maxi i understand that but can you stay within the parameters of at least your colors no 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 because i mean there's somebody that has put this out there and there's a focus group that says you know let's go ahead and put these you know yellow and blue you know sort of of uniforms out there that's
2: not the red Sox.
3: it's I guarantee if, if MLB shop.com, which I'm sure probably already has them, if they don't sell them, guess what? They're not going to wear them again. If if they sell some to the casual fan, it's just, it's, you know, it is what it is. You you look at some of these pro sports and you're like, I don't understand the color schemes of it. But it's, it's all about, you know, you've got your alternate spring training road batting practice jerseys that are going to be you know, neon green with the black trim and the purple numbers. And it's, you know, going to be like a Dodgers alternative. So, I mean, it it just, you know, it it just, it, it's merchandising. It's all about. I understand
2: that, but let's bring it back. We've we
3: merchandised
2: enough. We've made enough money on things like oh, that. Oh, you can never make enough now, money. now for let's just play the game. I mean, they always talk about helmet teams in, mm-hmm. in the NCAA football. That means when you see their helmet, you know who it is. Yeah. Never, you know, Penn State, USC, uh, Alabama. You yeah. know who it is when yep. you see it. They don't need to wear some retro jersey. They are USC. They're Penn State. They're Alabama. They don't curttail to anybody and certainly of all the teams in baseball the Red mm-hmm. Sox
3: should be one that says no 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 we don't play that game we're the Red sox it's it's just it's not so much about the the brand it's about the marketing and while I'm with you it's like the Dodgers are a certain way the Yankees are a certain way the the Red sox it's it's like yeah, you know, and, and then in
2: three years they're going to be doing a piece on this great Boston Red Sox, right? Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden he's going to have a highlight from a game today or the, or the last couple of days, and, and you're going to be watching this going. You're going to wonder who well, that? who's that? Why is that yeah. on right now? Yeah, it's on right now because they put Sammy's softball uniforms on. You yeah. know? Okay, yeah.
3: it doesn't. I, I mean, it doesn't make it right.
2: I can't but, solve them all tonight, but I'm going to take a chunk out of a couple of them. I'm just telling you.
3: Well, telling see, you. this is why they couldn't have had the lockout because lockout hurt major. It it, it hurt major league baseball so much. That they have to come up with these alternate, you know, sources of revenue. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, I mean, it's these poor owners, Maxie. These poor owners. Oh, golly. These billionaires. How much they can sip of coffee. You can't, you can't get by on the old uniforms. When we come back, the
2: rain man. We've got more issues. We'll talk downtown Minneapolis with him. And what does it do to have an influx of people coming in or not coming in uh, during these upcoming summer months? Sports to the max on News Talk 830. Michael Rainville, councilman, will join us when we come back. All right, we have conflicting reports here from our textures. One says the reason that the Red Sox were wearing the yellow and blue was um, a tribute to Ukraine. Another texture says it's because it's the Boston Marathon colors and, and it's a tribute to the Boston Marathon. Either way, I think you should wear the Red Sox colors. and If you want to pay tribute to, the, to either Ukraine or so, you can do it in a lot of different ways. But I want to see the Red Sox play when the Red Sox play, you know? That's that's all I'm saying. Joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, Michael Rainville, Councilman Extraordinaire in the City of Minneapolis. Michael, thank you for taking our call tonight,
4: Maxie. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, and uh, I, I do uh, agree with you about supporting the Ukraine and wearing the colors. In fact, if you're on on Saturday, come over to the Ukrainian American Hall over here in Northeast. We're having a fundraiser to raise medical supplies for them. Where will you give us some? Where is that at, and when? The Ukrainian-American Hall, this Saturday, it's 301 Main Street Northeast, from 3 in the afternoon to 7 at night. We got beer brats from Kramarchek's, uh, some music by Forrest Miller and the Lodge Boys, and we're raising the money to help pay for medical supplies for the brave Ukrainians as they defend their homeland.
2: That is awesome. But if there's a Red Sox fan, you can wear a real Red Sox jersey. You don't have to wear... A blue and yellow jersey that says Red Sox on no, it. Just if thought, you're a
4: Red right? Sox yeah. fan, yeah. If yeah. you're a Red Sox fan, wear your traditional colours, you're still welcome over here in yep. North. Absolutely, you'll still be welcome. Michael, uh,
2: the part of the premise of this uh, having you on is as a councilman that oversees a lot of downtown Minneapolis and Minneapolis, and obviously we know the strife that has gone on with that. What what is what what do, you know? I hear two schools of thought as we move towards we think warmer weather at some point in time uh, in our universe here, uh, but obviously there are people that are concerned because more people are outside. You know, it, it, it's the data driven that the hotter it gets, the more crime and violence there is. At the same time we're moving into an era hero. We've got the Timberwolves playing, uh, you know, at least to an extent, playoff games and, and major league baseball coming back. And, and, and you mentioned to me earlier today, the theaters as well. What does that mean to downtown Minneapolis or potentially in terms of foot traffic buzz and negating some of the potential problems that we could have?
4: Yeah. So uh, it's, it's just wonderful what the, the sports teams are adding to our community. As you said, the Timberwolves are on a run. The twins are opening. The theaters are back. The restaurants are benefiting greatly from that. You know, so when I talked to Tim Murray, uh, he, he says how, how they feel that impact from these sports teams or concerts for that, that matter, you know, the Lions pub balloon, they all do better. Uh, with that amount of people, the police tell me it becomes safer. There's more eyes and ears on the street. And, uh, Downtown is coming back, Mike, and it's coming back in a safer fashion.
2: But the th- isn't the thought process also that, uh, and I don't know this to be true or not, so I shouldn't say that make this a definitive statement, but uh, the bad guys, so to speak, aren't going to mess with crowds. Uh, if, if they're going to get something done, they're not going to do it where they can get caught. And, and the more people you have, the more chances are that you're going to get caught.
4: That's exactly right. And that that's the truth. That's what uh, Inspector Peterson always preaches down there in the first precinct, that uh, the bigger the crowd, the safer you are. And uh, Minneapolis is coming back. I, I walked around at the lunch hour today with uh, my aide, Henry, and we were just amazed at the lines in the restaurants and the skyways and, and the people are coming back. You know, Steve Kramer has done a great job with the downtown council to talk those companies in a bringing back their workforce. And we're not there yet. We're not not where we were in 19 or 2019, but, we are coming back, and there's a lot of people in downtown, whether you're working or enjoying yourself.
2: But the, but the thing that you're going to have to figure out at some point in time, and I don't think this is going to be unveiled to you you know, for months probably, maybe even a year, is is, is not just how many people are going to come back to downtown, but how many days worked are going to be downtown, meaning how many people are going to the hybrid schedule, and, and how does that affect whether somebody wants to open a restaurant or not or what the, what the price of a lease should be downtown because we still don't know – uh, even the people that come back now, now. I come to work every day, right? I, I come downtown, as you know. I, I go work at the TV station. Uh, tonight I'm in the, t- the the radio station. I come physically downtown. Most of my colleagues in radio do not come downtown right now. That that host the show, the news team does, the sales team does not. And so you got to figure out not just how many bodies there are that work downtown, but how many are physically going to come to downtown every day, right?
4: Yes, and that's the great mystery: is what does this come? This new workforce look like? Is it three days a week? Is it four days? Uh, it, it, you know, only time will tell. But I am so confident in this city and in in our uh, business community. They're going to make it work. And there is nothing like the interaction you have face to face with your coworkers. And every CEO knows that it's it's uh, was a good thing when we had this terrible pandemic for everybody to disperse and work from home. But it's the, to be productive again for all occupations, you, it, there's nothing like being in the same room with your coworkers.
2: I agree with that. I, but I see a lot of people that, you know, you know, and the other piece of it is if you stayed home and, and you were productive at work, you know, some people even say uh, more productive when I was at home. You, you're going to have to overcome that, right?
4: Well, uh, and that's, that's what's going to have to swing back. And I do believe it will go back that way. Again, uh, tech, there are certain jobs that technology, you can stay at home, but so much of what we do, we do it interacting with our coworkers, and that's just the truth, and that's what we're all going to get back to. The question is, is it going to be three days a week in downtown, four days? or, or I, it's Probably will never come back to five.
2: Right, and, so, it's not, you know, and that's what you're going to have to forecast, right? I mean, if you're going to open a business in downtown and it's reliant upon foot traffic, you're going to have to figure out that number, Right.
4: Was right, and so what It's the city council has to do is make downtown so attractive that those four days a week equal the population of, of five days a week in 2020. And we can do that. We can make downtown that attractive place to work, to play, and to live once again.
2: Michael Rainville is our guest council member in charge of a good piece of uh, downtown of Minneapolis in his uh, his ward. Uh, now, now, they park police cars on, on the street. I didn't know this until recently on Nicollet Mall. Most of those police cars that you see parked are hired by a private uh, business that, that they're sitting in front of. It might be Walgreens, Target, whatever, but they're, they're employed by them, not by the city. It's off hours, but they're allowed to do that, so they park their car there. My question to you is: is, is it good for business to have squad cars parked on sidewalks in downtown Minneapolis because it sends a message that, hey, we're not far away, or is it bad because you ask yourself, why do you need squad cars parked on the sidewalk in Nicollet Mall?
4: It, it sends the message of comfort, and, and that's what people will tell you. I, I am not a shy person. I enjoy talking to people as I walk through downtown, and they feel so reassured when they see that squad car or a uniformed officer. And uh, thank God we have the private, the commitment from the private sector to helping those hiring those off uh, duty officers to help us with our public safety. So. Uh, We have a great business community here, and that's just another way they contribute uh, to our overall prosperity by hiring those off-duty policemen.
2: Now, there was a case in, uh, I was told a couple weeks ago at a restaurant not far from where I work where they had five people come in and um, uh, assault, and one had a gun and one had a uh, uh some kind of a, a sticker bar and 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 uh and they rough some people up etc they left and they say what was alarming was we called 911 and it was thirty minutes before a police officer could get there because they're understaffed is this still a big concern uh
4: yes it is uh so as as a uh community uh as as a society it is not attractive our, our young people is not an attractive occupation so Whoever uh, uh, was listening to this radio broadcast, tell us what we can do to show the honor that it is to be a police officer and to help us with the 21st policing. We are over 300 officers short in Minneapolis. St. Paul is 100 short. The State Patrol is 100 short. The Sheriff's Department is 75 short. Metro Transit is 75 short. There is a shortage of officers, and the unfortunate result of that is slow response times.
2: Slow response times. And as you mentioned, now, now, how much, though, when it was mentioned about defunding police officers and, and that came from it wasn't you, it was before you, the council, etc. How, how much of that it ha, has sent a message that, hey, why do you want to get involved with people that won't back you? Is there a perception there?
4: Oh, well, it's a perception. It's a reality. So many of the uh, police officers who left the force in Minneapolis, they did not defund. Uh, uh, turn to other jobs or other careers. So they became police officers in cities where they were welcomed by the politicians and where they were supported. And that is so important. I mean, Mike, uh, when there's a gunfight and the officers on patrol, everybody runs away from the gunfight. That's what you and I would do. But those brave police officers run towards Towards that gunfire to solve it. They are brave people and they deserve to be supported.
2: Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. What scares you the most over the next three months?
4: Well, you know, it's it's the recruiting effort. It's, you know, how do we get the young people of our community, and our police should come from our community. They should come from North Minneapolis and South Minneapolis and Northeast Minneapolis. We, we have to send that message to our youth that it's an honorable profession to help us run the city by becoming a police officer. And and that's that's what my concern is. How do we recruit from our own kids?
2: How are we making strides? Do you think in penetrating or infiltrating uh some of the the, the gangs and 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 the bad? What I keep hearing is there's so many gangs now because you start a gang with three or four people and, and back, I, I hate to say that like this was the, the golden years, but back in the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, there were only four or five gangs. And so you knew who they were and you knew who the leaders were. And it was easier uh, uh, to, to enforce the law because you knew who you were dealing with. Now you've got, you know, a, a neighborhood, uh, three guys in the back of a neighborhood can start their own gang and, and away you go. And then they, they estimate there's, you know, could be over a hundred gangs in, in the city of, Minneapolis, D- does that part concern you, or is there a way to negate that?
4: Well, it's it's the reality, and we have to deal with it and solve it. And the the really unfortunate part is the guns. All these young yes, uh, game members and the clips that guns. go with the guns. Mm-hmm. The thirty shot clip in it. Yep. Uh, you know the recent subway shooter. Thank goodness his clip jammed; otherwise, he would have <laughs> kept shooting at the subway. Yes. Yes, yeah, and that's so- what we're dealing with. Yep, so we, right. it's it's a whole new era.
2: All right, you and I are going to go to Kamarchuk soon. I the last time. We we're going to do that, okay?
4: I'm I'm going to give you I'm going to cash in your Rainville check on that.
2: Okay, you got the Rainville check, not this week, but next week. Okay, sounds good, Mike. Good to talk to you. Keep up the good work. Hope to see you Saturday at the Ukrainian Hall. Ukrainian Hall Saturday before the Timberwolves game, right? Okay, it's a deal. Yeah, they got that nine o'clock game. All right, thank you so much, Michael. Bye-bye. Yes. Got some interesting text coming in, not just on that topic, but on others as it pertains to those uniforms that uh, the Red Sox were wearing. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to make of it anymore. Yeah, I, I, do have, okay. I do have but conversation. Let's take a break and we'll come yeah. back with it. K. Okay, Tubbsy. We'll break right now. We'll give you some answers on the other side because you deserve answers. All right. We, we our, our job is to clear up confusion and come up with answers for you, the public. We did again on this one. Uh, We asked why the Red Sox wore yellow and blue over the weekend, and then we had a text saying, you idiot, it's because of their support for Ukraine. Then I felt kind of bad because I thought that makes some sense, but I still don't think that they need to do that. Um, To show their support to Ukraine. I think there's other ways that they could do it. Then we started to say, no, no, it's the marathon colors. Even one that says, tell Maxie Hauser says it. And I assume Tom might not have sent the text, but somebody did that. And and then we put Tubsey on it, who, who texted one of his friends who's on the air right now in Boston. Yes. Doing radio. And he said, what's the reason for the colors? And he said,
3: Tubbsy. He said that, uh, quote, yes, those are the Marathon colors, Boston Strong, which are their City Connect uniforms. Okay. And this is coming from a friend of mine who is currently hosting on WEEI, as we speak, one of the largest uh, sports stations in the nation and uh, a powerhouse in the Northeast. So, I mean, if if Barrett says it, then... Uh, then yes, but you made the mention, you were wondering why they didn't wear it on Patriot's day. Okay. So today's today.
2: Patriots today. Today's the day of the marathon, right? Mm-hmm. And what are they wearing? They're traditional Red Sox uniforms. So now I'm more confused <laughs> than ever. I mean, if you're in on the marathon, then wouldn't you do it on marathon day, instead of the two days before, and then not on marathon day.
3: Yeah. And he just, uh, they just, they, they were at the weekend of, they were at the weekend of the marathon. So that's, uh, that's what I know. But I but I figured I wanted to go to somebody that grew up in Massachusetts that lives in Massachusetts that eats, breathes and sleeps anything Boston sports. Well, he know. I, I don't I don't question it for a second but exactly. but I question the logic
2: behind what Boston is doing there um because if you're going to if it's Patriots Day and it's tied into the marathon and then mm-hmm. the day they run the marathon they ran it today, right? Yes. yes yeah, today, today yeah, today was the marathon. Yeah. yeah. Then you wear your traditional uniforms. Well, now I'm more confused than ever as to how you think out there. You know, I've always had some questions about mm-hmm. the East Coast logic, not just Boston, but that whole New England area. Are these people as sharp as they claim to be? Are they more academic driven, but they don't really know how the real world works? Have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting? Good this, Will Hunting is the greatest movie. In they're the world. smart. One of the greatest movies in the world. They're smart. Um, Oh, God, there's some scenes in there that are so powerful and captivating. Every time I come across that movie, I stop eh? and watch that scene with Robin Williams and Matt Damon when they come to terms with how bad they hurt is just unbelievable, but. That being said, is this a case of acad- they outsmart themselves academically speaking? Academically speaking, it makes no common sense why you- the Red Sox should ever wear blue and yellow. I don't care if it's the marathon colors; mm-hmm. they don't make marathoners wear the Red Sox uniforms to show that hey, this is Boston and we support the Red Sox. You don't need to do that. And yeah, but the, marathon, the,
3: the marathoners are coming from all over the world, though. I mean, you know, you're just. The, the, yeah, but the, still, you are part of the Boston Strong. Once you
2: sign up for the marathon, you are you, in essence saying, "I support Boston Strong," which is the theme behind this. So, but but you don't ask them to wear the Red Sox colors or uniforms. I don't, did they did they
3: do the uh, the colors though before the bombing? Because I don't had, know. Did they? see? And that, and that I don't. See, now I we got another
2: question. Yeah, we got I, don't, Ukraine, I don't
3: know. We got the marathon.
2: We mm-hmm. got why the Red Sox have to do that. And, and why don't they do it on the day of the marathon? And this is what I'm saying. In the East Coast, particularly in that New England area, mm-hmm. they tend to outsmart themselves. And they think, we're so smart that we're going to do it this way. And now you've
3: confused the rest of us, which <laughs> is the definition of stupidity. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Their one goal was to confuse the hell out of you, Maxie, and I think they did. I don't think it's just me. I'm fine. Yeah, no, but you didn't know either. <laughs> no, I didn't until
2: a couple minutes ago. Till you get a hold of your buddy Barrett. When we come back, Pooh Richardson, WCCI.
0: Okay, picture this: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.